Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today on CityCast Philly. Around one in five city government jobs are vacant, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Without staff for these jobs, it affects everything from how quickly someone picks up your 911 call to how late your local library is open. And this is all putting pressure on the city budget. I'm speaking with a reporter about why there's so many job openings and why we're all paying for it. It's Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Ryan Briggs, you're a researcher on the investigations team at the Philadelphia Inquirer. And for the last couple of years, you've been looking at how the city staffs its government jobs. Ryan, you report one in five jobs are unfilled. That's a lot. Do people not want to work for the city? Is it low pay? Why are there so many openings? Well, I think what the city would tell you is um, that they're just another victim of the great resignation or whatever term you want to apply to this phenomenon that occurred during the pandemic where you saw a lot more churn in the labor market. And I do think there's something to that, to the idea that, you know, there were a lot of people who maybe retired early during the pandemic or decided to leave their jobs uh, to prioritize childcare you know, and a resulting labor shortage that then led to other workers saying, you know, hey, I'm a lot more in demand now. I can ask for a higher salary. I can get a better job somewhere else. And so I don't think it's all unique to government work. But what we know from federal data is that in the local government sector, for whatever reason, you've seen a lot slower of a rebound in terms of people coming back to those jobs. So while other sectors have kind of recovered from, you know, the great resignation or that churn that I was talking about a minute ago in local government, they're, they're kind of an outlier. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think there is, you know, in some cases there is something to the work, you know, if you're talking about in say Philadelphia's uh, prisons, you have got an extreme understaffing issue among prison guards. And um, if you've got a labor market where there's a lot more demand for workers and you could choose to work, say, at an Amazon warehouse or as a prison guard, there might be a lot of people who might just take the Amazon job because you're going to have to, you know, deal with a lot less stress and a lot less of a tense environment than in some of these positions. So some of it's situational. And uh, then I think there's just a longstanding pattern across a lot of local governments where the pay just is lower than on the private sector. Right. So you're, you're, you know, you're basically speaking about the leverage that workers kind of have had now since the like you mentioned, the great resignation and people retiring. Um, but Ryan, which city departments have a lot of openings now where you're sort of seeing the, the most open positions? It's going to be police jobs. It's going to be prison jobs, even within the fire department, which has kind of started to see its numbers 
grow, you've got within that department a, a particular shortage on some of the EMS and EMT positions of medics, which are you know sort of a, a bit more specialized roles. So there's a, there's openings for that. Broad based, but in general, yes, the public safety roles, the first responder roles, um, cor correctional jobs, those have been where you've seen the most open, open and unfilled positions. And in some departments, it's really still like a deep problem. But even you know, in the cases where you're starting to see some rebound, you're still kind of seeing these side effects of this, uh, which is you know the reliance on overtime and other measures the city took to try to patch some of those vacant positions. So speaking of the overtime issues, you know, when these jobs are open, someone has to pick up the slack, right? What's the relationship between the open jobs and overtime? Yeah, there's 100% a relationship between uh, the open positions and increasing overtime costs. Because what you're going to have, say in, in the uh, instance of a 911 call, for a fire or a crime, a medical emergency, whatever it is, the city has an obligation to respond. Their response times might be slower than normal because of short staffing, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to go out for those calls. And what the city's clearly doing is saying, we've got to get some guys to be, you know, to work 60, 70, 80 hours to cover some of uh, those obligations that we have. It's the same thing that we saw previously with sanitation, where people in Philadelphia probably noticed, you know, missed trash days where they're, you know, they put their trash out, nobody comes to pick it up. Well, that's the city at the time said that's because we had a big shortage of sanitation workers. And what they did oh, in I that see. situation okay. is they started, they started employing mandatory overtime saying you sanitation worker have to log more hours this week because we need people to go out and pick up the trash. And Ryan, you write that the city is on track to spend a record amount on overtime. How much are we talking about? I believe when we last reported on this, the city was on track to spend something in the realm of uh, $258 million on overtime just for the fiscal year of 2023. And that's uh, out of, a, of the city's roughly $6 billion budget. I know those are really big numbers, but you know that's, that's a significant chunk of a $6 billion budget and $258 million. That was reported by a government oversight board as you know, the most that the city spent in, in recent history on overtime. And it's far more than it was spending even a couple of years ago. I see job listings and recruiting from city agencies on Twitter. I see flyers for job fairs. But what more could the city be doing to better recruit people who want to be police officers, correction officers, firefighters, librarians? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we documented in some of our past reporting is, you know, that there really wasn't a centralized recruitment office in Philadelphia for the municipal government, which is something that you see in you know sort of other jurisdictions, and so that was one of the big things the city said. Well, hey, we want to we want to tackle that and kind of do a better job marketing ourselves as an employer. And they have told us that they're uh, moving in that direction. I don't know how long that's going to take or when you would actually see 
some kind of a benefit from that. But you know, it's it's a it's positive to recognize an issue and you know at least attempt to address it. So that's that's something they've you've been using hiring bonuses, like you're saying. It you know uh, it's not a coincidence that you're seeing more advertising for these positions uh, out there. That's definitely something the city's investing in because again, they recognize that there's a you know some recruitment and retention issues. So, you know, advertising is is a part of it. I think there are also probably, you know, procedural policy changes that they could make beyond that and that I think are they are maybe um, hesitant to make. One of the big ones, you know, would be sort of civilianizing police positions. This is something that's come up for many years, people identifying that in the Philadelphia Police Department, they have a number of kind of back-end positions um, in the past, mailroom jobs that were being worked by uniformed cops. And it runs the gamut of sort of managerial level positions, office-type positions, communications positions. And sometimes those are desirable roles for someone who's a uniformed police officer because you know, if, if you don't really like working the street, it's an alternative to that. You don't have to change your mm-hmm. job. So some people like that work, but certainly if the city's dealing with a shortage of uniformed police, something that you can do is make some of these procedural changes and say, okay, maybe some of these roles that police, the uniformed police officers are working now, they could be filled with non-uniformed civilian employees. I think there's probably some labor resistance to changing that because if you had a job like that, where you're working kind of an office role and they said, hey, we really need you to get out there and start, you know, patrolling the streets. You might say, well, I didn't want to do that. I, I worked to get to the position I'm in. You know, right. I did my time on the street. So it can be a delicate and kind of political thing. Is it hard to get a city job? Like, do Philadelphians or people outside of Philly, do they have enough job experience, proper training, education, overall experience for these positions, for these open positions? Well, I think right now, a a part of the changes that the city's made is they have sort of, they've loosened some rules in some positions. There are a lot of rules and regulations for city employment. It really varies from department to department, obviously, right? Like the requirements for a police officer are going to be different than the requirements for, say, a librarian or something like that in terms of what the city wants as your sort of minimum qualifications. But in general, the city has kind of made some moves to make it easier to obtain some government jobs. I think that there are also still some, you know, regulatory uh, hurdles that are significant. I mean, the, the most well-known one is probably going to be that for many city positions, you know, there's a residency requirement, right? That's designed to encourage local hiring. That's designed to ensure that uh, people that are working for the city are, you know, kind of invested in the city and they're paying taxes back to the city and so on. But what that does is it automatically limits sort of the potential pools that you could hire from, or at least creates a little bit of a barrier there. And the cities, they have taken some steps to address that, right? They've sort of loosened some of the residency requirements. You can get waivers, that say, okay, you know, we're going to sort of temporarily suspend now. You don't have to move to Philadelphia immediately, et cetera. But that it still is, you know, uh, it's still an additional obstacle versus just a job where they don't care where you live at all, right? In addition to that, you're going to have other elements for, you know, police jobs 
there's a lot of screening that goes into that. There's psychological evaluations, there's drug testing, drug testing for a lot of city positions, and a lot of things that I think people would probably be hesitant to say, yeah, let's just get rid of the, all these requirements, right? You want there to be some confidence that people are qualified for some of these positions. Competent. <laughs> yes, right. And so it, it is, a, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. It's, so it's a tough balance to strike. And that's part of the reason why even in some of the positions where they are succeeding in attracting new recruits, it's still taking them a long time to get people out on the street because they have to pass all, they have to pass all this credentialing and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's complicated and, and probably a lot more so than just sort of your average private sector job. For sure. We're going to have a new administration soon, right, Ryan? So could we see these jobs being filled soon? I think that the outlook for some departments is still not great. If you look at the police department, and again, we just keep coming back to it because it's highly visible, crime is in the news, people care about it a lot, and they also have had, they've had a lot more turnover than some other departments. And I know Democratic candidate for Mayor Sherrod Parker made hiring hundreds more police a big part of her campaign plank. I think there's real questions about the city's ability to even do that, even if you said that's priority one for me coming in, is I want there to be 300 more police out on the streets you know, in my first 90 days in office than there are right now. I think that's going to be really, really hard to do, mm-hmm. just knowing you know, how many people you can put through our police academy at any given time, how many people are planning to retire already, how many additional people end up retiring on top of that sum, how many additional cops say, you know what, this isn't worth it and I'm going to change jobs myself. I think it's going to be really tricky. I don't think there's a lot of easy answers. For sure. Yeah, this is not easy. They're, they're real. That's a real issue. <laughs> and like you said, it's yeah. very complex. All right. That was Ryan Briggs, researcher at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having me on. We'll have a link to stories on this topic from the reporting team of Anna Orso and Ryan Briggs from the Philadelphia Inquirer in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Sheila Oliver, the lieutenant governor of New Jersey, has died. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports that Oliver was hospitalized Monday with, quote, an unspecified illness. Because Governor Phil Murphy is on vacation, Senate President Nicholas Scutari is serving as acting governor. Oliver was 71. And 6ABC reports two more 7-Eleven stores were robbed on Tuesday. Investigators said two men got away with cash from the register. Now, the FBI and other local authorities are looking into possible connections to at least five other robberies in our region. If you have any information on these robberies or suspects, call 215-418-4000, or you can go to tips.fbi.gov. Check out the Hey Philly newsletter for more Philly news. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a coworker, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.